Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Comics Collective, the show where we talk about comics and stuff. And today we're definitely talking about stuff because we have a special guest today. It is, drumroll please, uh, Mickey Mouse. Oh, hi. Hiya, folks. It's me, your boss. <laughs> I'm really glad hi. to be here. <laughs> yeah, we're so great. We're so glad to have you, Mickey. I'm so, I'm just like, I'm, I've been such a fan ever since I was young and it's just it's so cool to get to meet you and you're so nice and can you tell us a little bit like just about yourself and your work yeah uh, uh well you know i i am the, the overlord of the entire oh. world um we uh, we actually uh, we we just bought nature <laughs> we had uh, a merger with the rainforest uh we will be consolidating and kind of get all down <laughs> uh I really though I was just surprised that you were able to get everything squared away with the lawyers to get me on. This is my uh, first podcast appearance. No one can no one can get uh, through the legalese. Great um, work. Lawyers? We had to go through lawyers? Wait, what the what the fuck? <laughs> um, we didn't Mickey, we just sent you a DM and you what the fuck? you said Mickey, you- <laughs> Um, yeah, wow. Um, I, you you kind of already did that for mine, Mickey. Um, I wasn't a fan of that last Star Wars movie. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> Nobody likes it. Uh, what is this, a comic podcast? All right. Uh, get, uh, DC, get DC on the line. <laughs> yeah, Mickey, we actually had you on because you were writing the next volume of Sex Criminals, but we now just... I'm not to be a sex criminal in this place. Get out of here. Why is he in my house? <laughs> you fuck with the mouse. Uh, you guys, it's me, Goofy. Are we sure? Oh, sharks. Are we sure we want to do this? You know what? You know what? We're getting out of here. I don't know what the hell you're going to do for your stupid episode. You're going to waste the- my time. I'm the most valuable mouse on the planet. The duck has a switchblade. <laughs> next best thing we'll just have three little white gumbo men and on their lord of the rings adventure what do you say i do they have switchblades <laughs> i don't no just cigars i think we're okay 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 i can do that and i out. i need to stop the bleeding you you take over play the theme or something i don't perfect. know perfect roll the tape we're taking the theme too Everyone, man, I don't know what I missed. I was I was getting some Taco Bell breakfast this fine Sunday morning. Uh, welcome oh, to the comics. Welcome to the comics collective. 
the weekly podcast where we talk about our favorite graphic novels and collections of comic books. I am your co-host, Dallas. I'm Alexis. And I stopped the bleeding. (laughs) Good. Man, I I don't know what happened, but Alexis, do you want to intro the book we're reading this week? Of course I do. So for my lovely horny month uh, book selection, I... As the the little sister of the podcast, she wasn't allowed to pick one that had sex in it. I wasn't. (laughs) Just the name is an innuendo. What in the world did I just say? (laughs) Pika, pika. P, no, key, oh, oh. pika, 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 pika. (laughs) Oh, hell, here we go. Oh, I picked the book Boner. Just kidding. Bone by Jeff Smith. Love it. Love it. It's it's a heifer of a a novel. So here we go. (laughs) I'm going to let you keep vamping. This is, hello, we're talking about Jeff Smith's Boner. What a heifer. (laughs) Keep vamping, Lex. It is eight o'clock in the morning. We have a special energy today. It's it's something. It's just so fun and so wholesome and so cute. This is the book. Really, we came into this with the broken brains from sex criminals, and we weren't prepared for just a purely good, sweet book. And so we we had to ruin it right out of the gate. (laughs) We'll be good now. We think. We promise. The halo music starts to play in the background. I've always wanted in church to turn on the Halo theme and see if anyone notices. All of the teenage boys would. When the pastor says, that's my shit, then you're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Send me your gamer tag. He's doing it for, he's doing it for Christ. Oh, Lord. Well, exactly. guys. Oh. <laughs> Lexi, tell us about Don't Bone. What's Bone about? All right, kids, come come sit on the little rug. Let me show you a little bit about Bone. All right, so Bone is basically the equivalent of Mickey, Donald, and Goofy, just without any distinctive features on their wild across the Lord of the Rings world adventure. So we have our lovely little group of characters. We have our first main character, Phone Bone. He is the favorite little guy that we follow around throughout the whole story. He has no distinctive features at all, so he, of course, has to be the main character. And then we have his cousins, Phony Bone, who has a little star t-shirt and is an absolute menace to society. And finally, he is the best character, and we have all convinced that he is Anne. So, we, and then finally, we have their goon of a cousin, Smiley Bone. He is the tallest, basically goofy character. He has a big old cigar out of his mouth all the time. He's great. Doesn't ever know what's going on. So very much like Dallas. So true. Mm-hmm. So true. Yeah. Oh, how Lex. did I get to become the capitalist of the group? How did that happen? <laughs> well. Sorry. Hate to do it to you. Uh, I'll take it, but I'm charging you for it. Love how nobody's commented <laughs> on how I've made myself the main character. In- no, that tracks. Yeah, no, it deserves. Do you, you listen to the episode that you weren't on, right? You know what we're like when you're not around? It's true. I, I didn't even have to listen. Twitter told me. <laughs> true. Because plot twist, I don't listen to our uh, podcast. Because <laughs> I make nice. it. But. Uh, so, where should we start, kids? At the very beginning. You should You should tell us why you picked Bone and what uh, your relationship with Bone is like. Okay, deal. You don't. Gosh, you didn't have to ask me twice. All right, let me talk. Um, <laughs> no, but I 
was perusing through my local secondhand bookstore like six months ago and i saw the actual full complete this is what it's called the complete cartoon epic in one volume it is the biggest book i own i'm convinced and i was like oh I read Bone as a very, very small child, probably in second grade, because we would have random, not the whole thing, we would have random singles in our little elementary school library. And so I was like, I must, I must read this little mysterious mouse man getting attacked by rat creatures with a pretty, pretty woman, which is a whole topic of her own. We'll get there. But <laughs> um, it was just really fun. I remember like, Taking home, checking out of the library, the single issues, never started at the beginning, never got the whole story, didn't even finish it. So I just was able to find whatever comics I read. I probably read them out of order as well, but I just remember being so enthralled by their little adventures and the I, the way I remember them, their terrifying rat monsters that I were con was convinced lived in our basement, and that's why I never went down there. But... Do you think they yeah. were in cahoots with Gollum, who also lived down there? Well, because that's who I thought Gollum. lived. That's who I thought lived down there as a child. There was, was a lot Gollum. that lived in the basement. Velociraptors, I... rat creatures, Gollum. We basically lived in a home that showed us things too early in life. Yep. And we were a bunch of timid little aliens. I would walk downstairs and I'd be like, "Time to get the wee," and then Gollum from the closet would be like, "Dallas, you stinky little girl," and I'd be like, "Gollum." <laughs> he'd be like, Gollum, I'm going to rip you and throat out. I'd be like, Gollum, no! And I'd grab the Wii and run upstairs. And that's a true story. That really that's happened. That's a true story. Maybe the rat creatures are Gollum. We don't know. Maybe he has a little fur coat on. Basically the same story. Yeah, the rat creatures are kind of like um, Jawas for me, where it's like, I understand your basic shape, but I want to know what you look like what underneath. I need your, I need to know what are you? And why does your boss have longer legs than every other one of you? <laughs> I want a rat creature with a short fur and a long legs. <laughs> and a little tiny scepter to bonk people um, on the head. Can I just say right off the front? I remember these characters, like the rat creatures specifically, being so horrifying that they would like haunt my nightmares. And they're over here talking about freaking quiches. I cackled. I was like, how do I not remember this? They are so funny and so dumb. Yeah, that one, I definitely, his name is Quiche Beast to me. Quiche that's, Beast. That's all yeah. I know. He, no, his name's Jim. He's, he's just here for the ride. <laughs> I can just imagine little Alexis being like, what is a quiche? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I thought it was just a horrifying dish. He's like, I'm gonna turn them to quiche. <laughs> Q E J? Oh, True, I probably don't. I didn't know how to read. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Why do you think we read comics? Pictures. <laughs> I was like, my wife this week, we were texting about the Oscar nominations, and I was like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> Oh, what I say? I was like, no love for Nightmare Alley or Dune. And she was like, both of them are on Best Picture. Can you read? Is that why you read comics? <laughs> is you don't know how to read? And I was like, yes. Hmm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, my heavens. Okay. Oh. See, it's so cool that, like, 
oh, just this week, so many people were messaging me when I was talking about Bone on the timeline about just like, oh, this book was my childhood, or oh, I would get this all the time at the book fairs, or this really took me back. It was so nostalgic for so many people. And I hadn't heard of it until I was in high school, and I had to shelve copies of it at the library. And I was always like, this seems really cool. But I noticed like the Scholastic label, I just kind of assumed like, oh, this is probably for kids that are younger than me. So it's like, I'll shelve it. I'll put it up. I hear good things about it, but I'm not going to check it out myself. And the amount of times I had to put that book away and just kind of passed over it because working at the library when you're a comics nerd is the best because you just basically shop at the same time you're working. <laughs> you just pull everything off the shelf until you have a pile this big that needs to go home every day. And I am just beating myself that I never picked up this book before now because it was, I don't know what I expected from it, but it wasn't this. And I'm really happy that it's what it actually is because it's so, so cool. I I think Bone is the perfect example of an all ages comic mm -hmm. where it really like it's something I can hand to my youngest sister or I can read myself and get the same amount out of it mm -hmm. i think that's um that's the way i describe a lot of like disney movies or animated movies because i think animation is such a great like medium but people don't give it a shot because they hear animation the first thing they think is oh this is just kids fair i'm not gonna i'm not gonna find the same thing i'm gonna watch this it's gonna be like the movie home that had that guy from the big bang theory in it which is just an obnoxious experience the whole time but really if it if you do it well you can make it so that there's still important messages, still funny jokes that older viewers get, but also something that's beautiful enough and like colorful enough for younger kids to enjoy as well. And I think this from a story perspective and an art perspective is definitely that comic. If you're looking for something to give to like an elementary age um, kid to have them read and get into this medium for the first time, this is like perfect and you can read it along with them and still have an absolute blast i was laughing out loud several times reading this book it's just fantastic i i think one person that made the the best case i've heard for all ages comics comes from lisa gullickson who was on the show last week she's great um she in a tweet she said she likes or maybe it was on her podcast but she said that ya graphic novels work the best for her because they always have a moral and therefore like they have a direction. They have a point for existing, you know, mm -hmm. you never read a YA graphic novel that doesn't have something to say about humanity. doesn't have a moral or something to apply to yourself. And I, I think I resonate with that a lot where I like my fiction and I like my superheroes, especially mm -hmm. to demonstrate to me what kind of person I want to be. Like, I don't get a lot out of just the continuity heavy, plot driven stuff i really like things that are about human nature and you would be shocked at how well so many of these ya graphic novels do that and i think bone is a great example of just that i feel like it just has like the perfect amount of like a a really good story like it's just so fun it's so original unless you're looking at mickey mouse and we have like the three, well, kind of five like main fun characters that we see and we like have the emotions that they feel. We have, we watch Phone be absolutely in love with Thorn, our other main female character. She is the lovely woman in the woods, as I remember her. 
Um, and it's just like so cute. Like we see him writing his little poetry for her. And then we also see like his cousin being an absolute menace and stealing everybody's money. And it's just is so rounded and so fun of like there's bits and pieces that everybody can enjoy, which I liked a lot. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those stories that has like enough going on that you can kind of choose and pick what your focus is because it's got enough of the like the mundane where it's like um, um, Phony Bone and Lucius have a bet over who can run the bar better. So they split it down the middle and they have that whole thing going on or the bets around the, the great um, cow race. Well, at the same time, you have this other plot that's just so much bigger. And it's like if you like the action and adventure stuff, that's for you. That's where your focus is. But there's also if you like just the the humor of it, if you like just the, the heart of it, there's this other story happening at the same time. And then when they meet together, it's such an interesting fusion. It's like having a perfectly cooked meal that has so many flavors working together. And you're just like, chef's kiss. This is perfection. I want to eat this forever. That's what the story is. I feel like Bone is the Oreo of comics where you're like, this cookie is good by itself. This cream is the best thing I've ever tasted. But you put them together and then you bring the milk of slapstick humor and you're like, ah, this mm-hmm. is the greatest thing I've ever put inside my body. It's true. It's true. It just is like, it's so fun. And we even, we only covered the first three mm-hmm. books. Um, and it's just so funny because like, I feel like it had so many good standalone moments in it, like you mentioned. Um, but you could feel it building to something really big. Like I remember I was, I'm a little bit more down the road of the story and I was just flipping through it last night. And I remember being like, oh yeah, like this is why I kept going. Like I'm almost halfway done with it because I just couldn't put it down because I was like, this, this is so great. Like I never got the full story growing up. I always had little bits and pieces and I'm convinced they were only the first six issues. And now I'm reading something I never read before. But it just is so fun, and I, it's just so hard to put down because it fully immerses you in their little world that they've got. So mm-hmm. it's fun. I, yeah. Go ahead, Dallas. Honestly, I think one of the tricks of the trade that Jeff Smith pulls off really well that J.R.R. Tolkien kind of paved the way for is creating a world and creating what most people would make your fantasy story and then set your book in the next generation. And so then you get to unearth this whole other story. And so then there's this inherent mystery and excitement and references to it that pulls you in and makes the world feel lived in. George Lucas did the same thing with the original Star Wars trilogy, where they're just passing references to the way cool story that happened before. But you're right here and it's just as compelling. And I think that's also the way it focuses on the Bone Brothers instead of on Thorn, who gets really set up here as like she is the if this was any other way she would be the protagonist of the story you know because she's um the lost like princess of this um this realm that went to war and she has like this destiny she has to fulfill but instead we're focusing on these three guys who just kind of blundered into the story specifically like phone bone who is our you know for all intents and purposes our main protagonist is just it's really interesting to see it from that perspective because you don't get that a lot. These are people who are kind of outside the story and now they have to go along with it. And that I think creates compelling narrative too. That also made me think of Lord of the Rings because they kind of play the same role as like the hobbits do where they're like, 
ancillary to all the actual action, but they still have a huge important role to play. I think the most interesting part for me reading the Lord of the Rings novels as an adult, so I watched those movies well before I ever read those books. Uh, our dad, my dad, mine and Alexis's dad is a huge fan of Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And so I've watched those movies dozens, if not hundreds of times with him. And so finally reading the books, I remember being worried because of the structure that every other book would be, and for anyone who doesn't know, Lord of the Rings is actually six books, not three. It's really one book with six mm-hmm. parts, but then it was divided into three, but all those are divided in half. It's a whole thing. But there's always the action part with like Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli. And then there's the Hobbit part. And when I first started, I was really worried that the Hobbit part would be so boring. The Hobbit part is the best part of the book. I found myself rushing through the Legolas and Aragorn of it all to like get to the Hobbits, to find out what they were doing. And I think, just like Anne said, Bone is the Hobbits part of it. It's really, really fun. It's fun to see characters that are inherently good caught up in a world that's so much bigger than them. Mm-hmm. And they bring a sweetness and a humor that undercuts what is a surprisingly serious story. Yeah, I, I think about that scene at the end of volume three, where Lucius, um, Phonybone and Smiley are stuck in the forest at night and they get uh, t- surrounded by like a swarm of um, rat creatures and they're they're writing for like dear life and Lucius like, oh, this is the most dire situation I've ever been in. And Phonybone's like, I'm going to drive off a cliff. <laughs> and I'm like, this is such a unique mixing of energies. Because even in like a lot of like family stories, you'll have like the characters who are very happy-go-lucky. But then when it's time to be serious, they'll serious up, and you can feel that change in um, change in the themes, change in the tension. But no, this is a character who kept that same energy throughout a very very serious scene, and you don't get that a lot. And it played really really curiously, and it actually kind of made me feel like everything was going to be okay, which I think was partially partially what we're aiming for because Lexi you bringing up the fact that the creatures were so scary at a young age I was thinking about that the whole time I was like these are really kind of adorable but also like very very unreal and like creepy at the same time I wondered how it was like would actually read to children and you telling me that they 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 scared you a bit that I'm like yeah I I get why they have these characters that need to undercut that a little bit so that even the worst moments still have a bit of humor to them. You go, Alexis. Oh, no, you're going to I was just going to say, like, I remember specific, like, if I could pull two examples of the way that um, the rat creatures are kind of portrayed, we get this really scary scene, like kind of how she mentioned in the woods, we have Grandma Ben thorn and phone running through the woods like at top speed it's a huge storm it's dark outside and we see this just this little panel of this monster behind thorn and his teeth are bared he's got big huge wide bite and he's gonna take her out he's gonna eat her and i just remember thinking like oh that is the scariest even like now i'm like oh yeah like that was i can understand why i thought that was scary and then we compare it to our two i guess we could call them our two main rat monsters i don't know their name quiche man and grumpy quiche beast and and other quiche but um (laughs) 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 but we see them and they're we have these panels of them like hiding in a ditch because they think they're gonna die because they messed up and we (laughs) 
we here it's like nighttime and they're t- the quiche one is talking to the mean one and he's like i heard something like you need to look go peek over the edge i heard something and they're like no and they keep like peeking their head up and we when they have their mouths closed they kind of look like sock puppets in my mind like you know like the gummy like closed <laughs> mouth but they like peek up out of the thing and they're like biting they're like nobody's there what are you talking about like what in the world and he's like no i heard something you need to look harder and he like sticks his head up and their huge big boss is like looming over the hole because he's so much mm-hmm. taller than them and he goes there's nothing here there's just there's there's nothing and then he like pauses and you can like hear like they've got the you just like hear the tension and just like pops his head back up and he goes oh hello and the boss is just like <laughs> looking down in the hole and he's like mm-hmm. i remember being like these are the villains what in the world is going on here <laughs> that was one of my favorite comedic scenes in the entire thing yeah it's i just, laughed out loud you, you see it from the outside you see the the king doc or whatever his name is just come over and he looks down and he's smiling the whole time yeah he's, he's like you l- idiots <laughs> <laughs> the 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 comedic timing in this is consistently perfect jeff smith knows exactly when to jump to the punchline he knows when to give it a beat to breathe and i think that really because humor is so hard to sell in writing but when you can direct the pace of it like you can in a comic book it sells so much better i remember the moment i was like okay i like this book was the moment where the rappies were chasing bone for the first time because before this i was reading it's like okay it's cute it's it's fine, whatever. But the moment that Foam Bone jumps onto that branch, and it's like, ha, this this is a small branch. These rat creatures would never be stupid enough to jump on this with me. <laughs> and then immediately it cuts to the next panel, and they're both on it with him, looking so concerned about what they just did. And Foam Bone says, "You stupid, stupid rat creatures!" And I couldn't stop laughing for five minutes. That was. That was the moment this book told me it was something special and I was going to really love it. It's, I loved it when that came back to later when they, he was rolling off the cliff, got caught by a branch and the other rat creature got caught with him and they're like trying to work it out together. And then the, the, the second rat creature crashes into him and blows him off the cliff. <laughs> oh, I, I, I was, I couldn't recover for the longest time. I think the first joke that really sold me was after Ted the bug told Phone Bone that it, the snow comes really suddenly. And then, then when there's just like the eight inches of solid snow disc that just falls all at once. And it's like, I told you, it comes really suddenly. I That was like perfect comedy for me. The first, because I I, I've read this first, I had read the first volume before, but now everything else is new. And it was so so funny (laughs) i think i think my favorite joke now and i'm not gonna go through the explaining a joke isn't very funny but when they talk about phony bone and why he was run out of town and they like they intro the story they tell the story and then the punchline is a callback to the intro and a bit of a subversion i I was so impressed and laughing so hard. I, I have a good friend here in New York that does stand up and I've been been toying with the idea of going to do some stand up with him. So I've been like really focusing on how to make stories funny and like how to set up punchlines. And Jeff Smith Smith is just such a tour de force of how to do that. Like I don't think there's anybody else that sets up a punchline quite like Jeff Smith. 
that's true. That, I remember that part specifically, and that's so funny. Especially because I remember reading it like little, like little in my seven-year-old brain, being like, "These are all bad things. He's doing so many bad things." And then they're like, "No, it was like it was just the original one that was awful that everybody got pissed about." So it's just it's just so fun. Oh, it like makes my heart so warm. I remember like reading. Right. My ghost. I'm a ghost on Twitter. I'm always there. I always look. You just, I just don't tweet or like things. But I just remember like going through Anne's comments because that's one of my favorite things to do. And seeing all of these people being like, oh my gosh, I read that like in elementary school. Like I read that when I was little. And I'm like, yes, yes, friends. Read it again. It's so good. <laughs> but, oh. See, that's the cool thing to me. It's like, there's so many people who've read this before, but everyone who hasn't read this, trust me, even as an adult, you could be like 90 years old and this is still going to be like one of the best things you've ever read. It's, it's so still going to click really well with you. And you'll probably relate really to what, really well to the badass grandma, who mm. is definitely one of my favorite characters. Her introduction was she's, um, she meets um, Phony Bone for the first time and she's just like, anyway, I'm going to beat you up now. That was, <laughs> that was peak. Yeah, that was funny. And I think it's special because it's not just not just humor. It also the serious beats hit really well too. We were talking a bit about that scene in the forest. I think from a craft perspective, that is one of my favorite scenes in the entire book. Anytime that you use um lightning to like truly illuminate the the scariness of a situation, the horror of it, that's where I live. That is my favorite thing in the world just the panels where there's a flash and you see the monster and then it goes dark again and they're just sitting there in silence waiting to see what happens next and the the moment where the book gets like real for you where grandma goes into the forest there's a crack of lightning he's like i think i heard a squeal and then grandma comes back and she's like we need to go before they hunt the body and phone bone just has that really serious moment where he's like did you kill him yeah. and she's I forget what she said afterwards, but she's basically like, you need to get used to it or something like that. Well, yeah, she's like, does this seem like a joke to you? And he's like, I never once thought it was a joke. Mm -hmm. But, oh, I just, I also, that was so chilling too. And he's like, you killed him? And his like little innocent bone mind. He's like, what? You, what is going on? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, this is, this is a real thing, Bucky boy. Get your backpack on. We're going. What do you think, Dal? You have a you have a face of the watchful listener over there. I just I'm caught up in listening to you two. I think because I've speaking of the lightning scene and the use of like day and night. I read the big black and white version of this. I was originally mm -hmm. syndicated, and I I love comics that are meant to be black and white. Reading them as black and white because like those nighttime scenes are stunning on the page seeing cool. the use of blacks seeing that crack of lightning immediately like lighten everything up make the backgrounds go white but like cast deep shadows on the characters i i'm curious because and you read this in color right yes because the copies my library has which i am using which by the way if you're listening and you need some comics check out your local library they probably have a pretty good graphic novel section and they if not they can probably connect you to other libraries that do it's a very handy and free resource if you have the um, if you have the ability to get to one, there's, and I'm reading the colored version. I didn't know until I saw Lexi's picture last night, actually, that there was a black and white version. And then I was, then I realized like, oh no, I did a, fr I pulled a from hell again. Cause I started reading that one <laughs> yeah. colored until someone's like, actually, you need to read the black and white one. I'm like, there's a black and white one. And I'm so glad I did. Cause I definitely prefer that version of from hell. The colored version is just 
honestly abysmal. All the scenes that worked because of black and white are very different. So I'm going to get through the colored version because that's that's what I have available to me. When I'm done, though, I'm definitely going to order the same copy that y'all have, which is the black and white. And I will mm. let you know if I could get that. I If I plan to get that by the time we wrap this show up, I can talk about that on the final episode. I think that'd be an interesting perspective. I love the black and white. I love it. Yeah, it. I've I've read both. Like I said, I read volume one in color and then I've read the rest in black and white. And I think I prefer the black and white, but I mean, at the end of the day, Jeff Smith is talented either way, you know? And I think were I to gift this to a little kid, I probably would gift the color versions just mm-hmm. because I think you have to sign up for a black and white thing in a way that a lot of people don't want to sign up for the black and white thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but really like tapping into the all ages nature of bone is interesting to me because I think I heard that for so long and I heard a lot about the slapstick and I heard a lot about like Mickey Donald and Goofy, but I didn't hear a lot about the, the second half of that pitch in Lord of the Rings. And if you love fantasy and you love comics, there's actually kind of a dearth of fantasy comics I feel like like we have sci-fi out the wazoo. Mm-hmm. But if you want to read fantasy, you're a little harder pressed within comic books, I would say. Uh, there are some great ones, obviously. But bone is what you're looking for. Like if you like swords and dragons and ancient kingdoms and the forces of good and evil and all that stuff. If you love classic fantasy, bone is the best version of that, too. It's not just the jokes. It's not just the silliness, which is great. And I love those things. But like there is deep lore. There is deep characterization. There are high stakes. There, there's a world you want to inhabit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's some of the magic too, is that both are struck perfectly. Like Again, I'm going to keep referencing Tolkien. On all of these episodes, I'm going to reference Tolkien. I love J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, somebody tweeted recently the fact that The Hobbit is a is the first book, and then The Lord of the Rings is the sequel, is a lot like if Stuart Little had a sequel where Stuart Little's nephew had to go and kill Satan to save humanity. <laughs> <laughs> it made me laugh, because like that that is true. But I do think that it undercuts a little bit that there is a sweetness in Lord of the Rings, too. The, the hobbits are a little bit silly. The hobbits are a little bit sweet. And J.R.R. Tolkien understood... I... I was at a cooking class last night and they said something that made me think of bone where they said, you always want to add a little bit of salt when you add sugar to a recipe because it makes the sugar sing. And I feel like the sweetness of bone is the little bit of sugar to the salt of like deep fantasy lore that makes everything brighter and sing a little better. And that's really fun and really special. Like we've read a lot of comics on this show and I, we liked all of them, but lock and key <laughs> and bone is one of the best, if not the best comic I think we've read on the show thus far. Look like, at I, me. Yeah. Okay. You've definitely made up for lock and key. You've definitely, I had to sins have been atoned for. It's true. You did because like, well, I love saga. I think saga has some warts mm-hmm. thus far. Uh, granted, we haven't read all of bone. And the first three volumes of Saga are perfect, in my opinion. 
But so like the first three volumes of Bone are perfect so far. And everyone we talk to says it only gets better from here. So I feel like it's uh, 10 Eisners and 11 Harveys <laughs> are and, two. And 41 international awards yeah. as well. Like this book has more and uh, more medals than anyone it has could even more imagine. medals than books at this point. It does have more medals than books. That means there were years they won multiple Eisners because mm-hmm. there are only nine books and ten Eisners. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. That's a flex. Oh, I just, <laughs> I think the the fact that it's going to keep getting better is the thing that excites me the most. It it actually bums me out a bit that we're going to have to wait until next month to talk about this again because it, it's got the saga thing where it's like I'm I'm glad we're stretching it out into three episodes because there's so much to talk about but it also makes me sad because it's either i one binge it now and have to refresh myself in the next month for the next episode or two Mm -hmm. i exercise a little bit of self-restraint and wait until we actually need to read it to go through it because yeah it's it's gonna be hard the fact that i physically don't have volume four in my house is the only reason i haven't read it yet that's a good sign that is (laughs) yeah that is good this book doesn't feel like homework. It does um, not. I can test for that because some, some things feel like homework. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they feel like homework. Even when they're good, sometimes they feel like homework. Yeah. yeah. You know? Like that was Sex Criminals for me last week. When we got to about volume four, it started to feel a bit like homework for me. Mm-hmm. But it's still a great book. I still enjoyed it very greatly. Posting about the parts that worked, great. But it's still... It feels long, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that Sunstone next week doesn't feel that long. But if longer books definitely have a tendency to feel that more than the shorter ones. And I don't think we're going to have that problem with this one. I think this is going to be light, breezy, beautiful cover girl. Exactly. <laughs> Bone feels like an instant classic when you read it. You know, when you watch Star Wars, you're like, you watch that original Star Wars, you watch Empire Strikes Back, and then you skip the rest. Mm-hmm. But you... I just said that to take off Anne, but it's also my opinion. (laughs) And you realize why it became the worldwide phenomenon that it is. You play the first Pokemon game and you realize why it became the worldwide phenomenon that it did. You watch any given Disney or Pixar animated film and you're like, oh, this is why you own the world. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. even the bad ones are pretty good. Make make another Coco and I will sell my soul to you, please. (laughs) Make another good dinosaur and I'll end you, though. I've never seen a good dinosaur. (laughs) You don't need to. You don't need... There's one good scene and it's the T-Rex farmers who are like um, ranch hands. That's the only good part about that movie. Everything else is... I'm like, how do you make a movie about dinosaurs so freaking boring? Anyway, that I can't rant about this movie. That it's the only Pixar movie I hate. You like a dinosaur? Oh, it makes me ugly cry every single time. It oh. like pokes needles into my, my skin and makes me so emotional. Good. I'm glad it, I'm glad it worked for you. That is a I Disney would just rather watch The Lion King. That hit me too movie. hard. I... Valid. I watched Zootopia for the first time yesterday, mm-hmm. and I cried laughing at the Godfather Weasel. Oh! On this, the day of my daughter's wedding, <laughs> I was crying. I was like, the whole time I was like, oh, this is cute. I was like, it's a little bit flattening a complex issue, and a cab, you stupid little bunny. But then- All when cops that, are bunnies. All cops are bunnies. But when that little weasel came out and he was like, this- on this, the day of my daughter's wedding, 
Put him on ice. I was die- and then the little weasel with the big hair Her and hair. the New York accent and she is like, Oh my gosh. That's the bunny that saved my life. And then he's like, this is the godmother of my soon-to-be grandchild. Uh, Oh my gosh, I was dying. I was like, that is the funniest thing they've done in a Disney movie in a long, long time. Ari has uh, them kiss his ring. Because even like, I even, when they kept calling him Mr. Big, I was like, okay, it's going to be a little polar bear. That's so funny. And then (laughs) when it was the little shrew, I was like, okay, that's funny. But then when he opened his mouth and I realized he was Don Corleone, I was like, I can't breathe. I can't. You did not do it. You did not do something this How did Dini do that? (laughs) How did Dini eat him? Are you talking about me again? I told you to not talk about me on your show. We're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. Get the fuck out. (laughs) <laughs> oh oh my god pick the mouse. this is great we should talk about movies more often hint, we, hint, should. Wink, wink. we should we should we, movies. we, we have great movie taste too yeah it'd be fun only good movies maybe some point we'll talk about movies who knows um do we want to shift into talking about characters absolutely we're gonna start with um our main character phone bone and maybe go hand in hand with Thorn a little bit because they spend a bit of time together and I want to get all of y'all's thoughts on that relationship. For me, it reads a little bit like Jojo Rabbit where mm-hmm. I don't I don't want them to end up together. You know what I mean? Like when you watch Jojo fall in love in Jojo Rabbit, you're like, oh, the little boy is in love with the girl that's older than him. Mm-hmm. And it's sweet and it's going to shape him as a person, but like, I don't want this romance to go anywhere i feel like if i see phone and thorn kiss jeff smith's a genius so he'll probably pitch it in a way that i like it but i feel like right now i'd be a little bit like you're kissing your sister what the hell what the but but also i hated when she flirted with that farm boy so i have complex feelings oh my god did you notice he was in the bed with her that next night no that was grandma i thought the same thing and then it was grandma. no no, it isn't in the colored version his the hair is definitely blonde that was not grandma i am 90 percent sure i'm double checking right now that makes it so much worse that he was with that girl the next day yeah and i actually thought that was what me oh no i'm wrong okay oh my god i was like i had such a vivid memory of that being blonde and no it's just the the tint of the scene Maybe I just read it too late at night. I apologize. Cut no, that I, out so no one thinks wait, I'm wrong. Wait, ever. Wait, wait. No, I, I found him. Oh, Alexis oh, is showing us the little sock puppet. puppet. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about the rat creatures. Yes. I think they're brilliant. But Phone and Thorn, what do you think of them, Alexis? I Going back now, because I had a memory of Thorn, a very interesting one actually compared to what she is. I do not remember her being a major point in my memory of like, oh, princess, you know, I do not remember that. And I was a seven-year-old girl who wore the little princess dresses and the light-up shoes. Like, that was me. All right, Alexis, story time about Alexis once. Once upon a time, we were in Disney World, and Alexis wanted the princess dress, and my parents said no. So she actively peed her pants so that she was like, what am I going to do? Walk around in these. 
She was like seven, but she was like, what am I going to do? Walk around in these piss pants all day? What kind of parents would let me walk around in piss pants? And so she got the princess dress. We did it two days in a row. Oh my God. She I pulled the same trick a second day. She I went home with a jasmine and a sleeping beauty. I couldn't imagine being smart enough to pull that as like an adult. Criminal. I couldn't big brain that now. That was <laughs> big brain. She has oh been a my tiny, gosh. She's been a tiny criminal since day one. It's true. Once, I, I am a criminal. Another time, she wanted to get donuts from Tasty's Donuts that was like three miles away from our house. I knew where it my was. Mom was. And my mom was like, Alexis, it's Sunday and we're not going to go to the donut shop on Sunday. And Alexis was like, fuck religion. And like put put her sunglasses on, got on her little pink trike. She's like four. I'm four. And in a swimsuit. In I her, was in a swimsuit. In her red, white, and blue onesie swimsuit. Just... <laughs> she pedals down to Tasty's. She's like three quarters of the way there when this old lady that's our neighbor season is like, What are you doing? Alexis Taylor, what are you doing? And she's like... Gives the bird as she's going by. And the lady's like, get in the car. And she brings back and my mom's like, I didn't even know she was gone. <laughs> because Alexis is a smooth criminal. I am the smooth criminal. There, <laughs> Alexis once, she, uh, I'm just on Alexis story time now. <laughs> oh my God. Pot- potty training, Alexis. Oh. My parents were like, Alexis, please use the bathroom. And she's like, fuck the police. No. I'm never going to do it. Fuck the police coming straight from the underground. Hating me for my diaper that is brown. And they're like, please use the bathroom. Alexis and she says no and so they had to resort to like Guantanamo Bay shit where they were like if you don't go to the bathroom in the bathroom we're gonna give you a cold shower and it was, she was not like, a wee it was dad it was a single event when mom went out on a girls night and I I I know this story because dad has told me this story from his perspective and he told me that we had both gone into the potty together he sat me on the potty because I told him that I needed to potty and we sat there for a good 20 minutes and I did not potty and so he pulled me, he put me down on my little feet onto like the little, you know, those old fashioned like carpet rugs that would straddle the toilet. We had those. He set me down on that mm-hmm. and then I peed on the rug. And so then he directly didn't even take off like my little shirt or anything, directly put me in the shower with cold water. And he said, if you ever pee like that ever again and don't go potty in the toilet, you will get another cold shower. And I was traumatized and my mother was as well. And that was the last time he babysat. And I was too. I was too. Little five-year-old me with my little squirrely personality. I was like, oh my god! I'm pretty I'm sure like I'm the one that told crying. mom. I'm pretty sure I was like, Lisa, Lisa, you will never believe what father did. And she's like, why am I raising a gay little British boy? And I was like, that is for another story. Mom, look, at what, look at what your man has done. Her oh, man has done a lot of things like that caused us trauma. And yeah, Guantanamo Lexi. Uh, I think I just got dad put in jail for this podcast episode, but he's a good, he's a good. All right. I feel like I'm it, running fixed. The... it never happened again. Body trained. Like a, I'm running the Taylor family therapy session. <laughs> I need both of you to lie down while I get a notepad True. and tell me how it made you feel. It didn't make me feel as warm as bone makes me feel. It's true. It's true. Yeah, we were talking quite about chilly. Bone. What were we talking? We were talking about Thorn and how Lexi, you were a princess. 
Oh, yes, my princess. Me and my little princess shoes. I don't remember her being a princess. I don't remember her being a major character at all, which is fascinating to me because I think she's wonderful. I think she's wonderful. I mentioned before we got on this, this is part of a listener question that we have later on, which we will go more in depth on, but it commented on the way that she's portrayed in the book. And having read this at such a young age... It's commented that she is kind of overly sexual, and I don't remember that at all. And even I, what in the world are you two doing? <laughs> I looked up from my book, and they are just comparing water bottle sizes. If that is not the most YouTube bigger. thing, honestly, ah. word word. I've got a micro bottle. <laughs> anyway, um... anyway, back to princesses. Um, Mm-hmm. I kind of commented on this to Anne because she was reading the color version. I'm reading the black and white. I remember even now I don't feel like the whole time. There was a few scenes, of course, but I feel like there's a few scenes with everything. But I don't feel like she was super overly sexualized in the black and white version. And I don't know if that's just because, A, her skin and the dresses are the same color. So I don't know what it stops and ends where. Or whatever but I just don't remember that as a young child um and so I remember I I feel like I really like her character and I like their funny little friendship that they've got of like she trusts him and thinks that she's he's a really good friend to her which he is and I love the like the little brother little friend younger friend trope of like I am in love with you let me write my poem my poem about your potato toes like what in the world so so funny oh it's they have an interesting relationship i like the the little crush that um phone bone has on her she's also i think she's my favorite character in the story but i think that's because scrolling through comiXology to find the book i got spoiled a little bit about what's gonna happen to her eventually at least something she goes through and it looks cool so i'm like okay i'm gonna attach to this character i think this is gonna go some fun places so I think that's why I, I clung to her so much. I honestly, and we'll get to it more later, I'm the sexualization of her, I didn't really get past that first scene. Looking back, I think I can see it. But it's just, I thought she was just cool. I thought she's the nice human character. And I I keep getting, every time I posted about her, I would get people in my comments saying like, um oh, I ship them so much. Oh, I, I, I want them to be together, stuff like this. So I don't know if they actually end up getting together. But it's like, I, I'm not feeling it. I'm like, he's he's got a he's got a cute crush, but that's okay. I mean, technically, it passes the Jack Harkness test, but otherwise, you know, who knows? Which, by the way, just found out about yesterday that the Jack Harkness test is an actual thing. It's your little field guide for figuring out whether or not you can have sex with something. <gasps> what I don't Love know it. what that is yeah, because you don't watch Doctor Who's. I'm been I've been trying to do that for a while. And once you watch Doctor Who, then I'll be victorious. So honestly, I'm just now starting to read Neil Gaiman novels. Give me a minute. You and your British invasion. (laughs) Let him warm up. (laughs) Neil Gaiman's written some Doctor Who, by the way, in case that gets you into it. Some really good episodes. Um, The Jack Harkness test. Captain Jack Harkness is a character from Doctor Who, who is, um, I think he's, um, he's not bisexual. He's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? pansexual 
pansexual. Thank you so much. And his whole thing is basically he will sleep with anyone and any person he can, human, alien, or otherwise. And the whole thing is like the Captain Jack Harkness test is if the let me pull up the picture because I actually I downloaded the picture yesterday because it's so very helpful and it's your guide to whether or not an alien species is fuckable love it it's yeah it's an actual thing here's here's the guide first check mark does it have human intelligence or greater question mark if that checks check can it talk or otherwise communicate with language check is it sexual is it of sexual maturity for its species check if you answered yes to all three then yes you can fuck it that's the captain jack harkness test Ooh. We and there's a little picture. Bone like that. <laughs> <laughs> he is a cartoon, you perverts! <laughs> look, look, look! We've been talking about sex all month. It was gonna come up. Mm, it's true. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I'm the heathen now. I just had to talk about the people coming into my comments. Boo! Yes. <laughs> Get that away from me. <laughs> Not in our good Christian podcast. The power of Christ compels you. I need to make I need you to understand I'm not advocating for it. I'm just explaining it. <laughs> I know, I'm just kidding. Per- perverse. Perverse. <laughs> Can we talk about He doesn't about- even have a penis. He doesn't have he clothes. Doesn't even wear clothes. He doesn't have clothes. But could he doesn't he? even know how to take baths. If I didn't you think he had muscles either, but then he flexes and all those muscles show up. That Popeye. was so good. That was so good. No, he can't. No dinghies in the bone universe. Nope. Absolutely not. Never. But <sighs> can we talk about Grandma Ben? <gasps> yes. Rosie Ben. Look at that woman. Mm-hmm. Can I say her, like, <sighs> spoiler, everyone. If there wasn't any spoils already, <laughs> buckle up. That panel of her holding her sword compared mm-hmm. to her younger self. That slapped me across the face. I was like, look at that bad bitch. That mm-hmm. is the baddest bitch of them all. Look at her. Oh, I really like that oh. she gets to age well. Like, she's an old woman. There was a really interesting TikTok my wife showed me um, where it talked about how in the early 2000s with like eating disorders being pushed so hard on women, it, it really became like subconsciously about women earning the right to have space, you know, like I'm allowed to be bigger than two dimensional within this Mm -hmm. 3d space. And she talked and then it moves on. It says the current, like the skincare trend, which I mean, Alexis, you're right here. You, it's important to take care of our skin. Right. Mm -hmm. But there's also a trend towards like women not being able to look older than 35 Mm -hmm. ever. And it's like, and now women are fighting for time in the same way they used to fight for space. Like, I am allowed to exist past a certain age. And I think that it's so cool that Grandma Ben gets to be a badass. As, and it's not played for laughs. It's not played for like, this is so absurd. Like, she's actually just the tough character. She's actually just the cool character. She's the yeah. wise one. She, she is the Ben Kenobi of the group. Literally. And seeing that panel of her young and old and seeing she's a badass in both was just really cool and really powerful and something that, like, I don't think I've seen anywhere else. And I was like, who would have thought in Bone, of all places? 
you definitely have seen it somewhere else because I was thinking I have a new favorite genre of characters between this and Once in Future. You're right. You're right. This came first, though. This did come first. My new favorite genre of character is badass old women because they they don't get to play that role ever you always see like the old the quote-unquote old old hag who's just like i exist i shiver all the time because i'm so weak and i'm here to give like i'm here to bake pies and give advice sometimes but since my husband died i've basically not done much and this grandma ben i think that's her name right grandma Mm -hmm. ben yeah rosie ben rosie she does you know, she bakes the pies, she goes to the, the annual cow race, but she doesn't race a cow. She races herself in the cow race. She runs which I 50 miles so a day. Cool. Yeah, it's just... Did you catch this, that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> this, this woman is who I want to be when I'm in like my, my 70s and 80s. She's like perfection. Yeah. She is. She's so also, funny. I'm just throwing it in here now. We are definitely reading Once in Future this year. Deal. We, it's so good. Alexis, you'll love Once in Future. That is your shit. I feel like I finally figured out what Alexis's shit is, and Once in Future is going to be Alexis's shit. Excited I'm curious. What what is what is it? What is my what is my shiz? Your shiz is you love an element of fantasy. Mm-hmm. You like dynamic characters. Mm-hmm. You don't like whiny characters. Like Peter Parker is too whiny for you. That's true. He's a little bitch. And. <laughs> You don't tend to like boy superheroes. Like you'll like girl superheroes, but the boy superheroes, I think it becomes a little bit too much like boy power fantasy for you. Yeah. Um, and I don't feel like I have found that sci-fi speaks to you in the same way the fantasy does. And so that's true. Once in future is fantasy with dynamic characters and the boy is not whiny. He's just kind of sweet and good. There we go. And it's got a badass. It's got a badass grandma. There you go. Oh, Yep, imagine that's, that's Buffy true. the vamp yeah, imagine Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but in her seventies. Queen. It's very good. <sighs> oh. Wanna talk about the other brothers now? The Should other we talk brothers. about them in a pair as well? Yeah, yes, they are a pair. They're a pair. They're a match set. I and you talked about the rat creatures bit being when you were sold on this book. Mm-hmm. Phony Bone coming back is when I was sold on this book. When, like that first chapter, two chapters, when it was mostly just Phone Bone's perspective, I was like, this is fine. But mm-hmm. the second that little rat bastard comes on the stage and he's like, I'm going to ruin everyone's day. And he just, he is naughty, but it, in like a really funny way. I just, mm-hmm. I love him. I love every time he's on the page, I get excited. He's my favorite character, hands mm-hmm. down. Nothing better than just that. these panels of his face. He has the funniest reactions <laughs> to things. Just he does. His mouth on the it, ground. Yeah. For everyone listening, it's the scene where Lucius goes up and realizes what Phony Bone's doing, trying to rig the game for the Great Cow Race and trying to win all the money from the bets. So he goes and bets on the wrong horse or the wrong cow. And Phony Bone's eyes just pop open wide, pupils shrink, and his mouth does the, um, you know, the Brian Griffin gif from family guy his jaw just hits the table it's that but as bone it's so good he's so funny i think smiley bone for me is he's sweet and i like when he's, he's there just a but Goomba. he he doesn't seem to be a main character in the same way that the other two are like he doesn't have a lot of agency of his own so far yeah 
it's interesting because I expected him to be, how do I say this nice, dumber? I expected him to be dumber. When you told me that, like, these three are basically, like, the analogs for Mickey, um, Donald, and Goofy, I got what I, I basically got what I expected from Phone Bone and Phony Bone, but I don't know if I expected this from Smiley because he's definitely a more wholesome character than I think Goofy is. I think Goofy is, feels more slapstick. This character feels like he's just there to have a fun time and support people. And I, that's that's interesting to me. I think that both these brothers actually benefit in a way that Phonebone doesn't. Because Phonebone's definitely playing like the kind of just, in my opinion, like the blank protagonist. He's here to see like, to change as the story goes on. So I think he feels more like a blank canvas. These two get to have a very distinctive personality separate from him. And I think that's beneficial to them because they get to live inside that within the story. That's true. Phonebone feels like the Barbie sidekick to Thorn. Like he is the little the like He's the Pascal, the flounder. He's the And yes, I have seen all the Barbie movies thanks to uh one of the co-hosts of this show, who I think is currently (laughs) frozen because of her bad Wi-Fi. Yep, sounds yep, like yep. she is. She's frozen. <laughs> Give her two seconds. Um, oh, it was, it was She was frozen just so perfectly, hand on chin, just listening to everything we were saying. It was like the perfect screensaver. I know. Just perfect. Silent and listening to me rant. Exactly how I like her. <laughs> I need to watch. I'm going to, I got a lot of girl to catch up on, so I got to go back and watch the Barbie movies eventually. They're surprisingly good. Yeah, that's honestly. what I hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Welcome back, Alexis. Hello, my internet decided to boot me from the conversation. That's okay. Right. We've been talking about Barbie sidekicks. Ah. Um, mm-hmm. The ones that go... <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Flounder and Pascal and all the little the little characters in the movies that we see. Yeah, but I'm talking specifically the Barbie movie ones. Where oh. they're just like the elephant from Paradise Island. Oh, I love that elephant. Yeah, it's a good one. Paradise Island is my... Or Princess and the Popper. Those are my two favorite Barbie movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have to comment though. I found my favorite moment of phone and phony when he very first gets to the farm. I just I'm, I'm just gonna read like the two panels. It's them in the barn, and phone says that's the second time in two days that you've spilled the milk. And phony goes, I can help it. It's a disgusting way to get milk. It's how you get milk. There's nothing disgusting about it. It's disgusting that I have to do it. I quit. <laughs> And I was like, if that wasn't me as a child, I don't know who it what is. Oh, it's so funny. So funny. He just, he is the funniest character to me. Mm-hmm. Everything phony does is funny. It's because we kind of haven't mentioned it, but he was the richest bone in Boneville. And mm-hmm. so he has this like pompous attitude of like, I don't have to do anything for myself. Mm-hmm. I can just buy my way out of it. And he gets thrown into this world where their currency is eggs and he doesn't know where to get them. <laughs> oh, Did, or the little the little date that he set up for the hens. <laughs> with Smiley. With Smiley playing the violin so they'll lay eggs faster. <laughs> oh. Big brain. Big brain play. Yeah. Honestly, he's, he's a king. genius. All of his schemes are so funny to me. They are hilarious. And I think they both play off Lucius really well. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. Just, uh, great way to tie in Lucius, the bartender, who's just this big, 
I, how do you describe him? Big, lovable oaf? Oaf feels too mean for who Lucius is. Lucius is clever. Lucius is smart. He's like a Pixar dad. He's a Pixar dad. <laughs> like, you know who they remind me of? The three of them? They remind me of Luca. Like, yep. the dad and the two kids. That's who they remind me of. I'm like, yeah, okay. Because he hates them, but they love him in a way that they don't yeah. get. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they have the same eyes, too. Where it's like all eyebrow. So, Yep. Mm-hmm. No eyeballs, just eyebrow. That's how I'm trying to be. I'm so excited to get that's to that age. That's how every dad is. That's, I'm so excited to get to that age where I lose my eyes. That's how our eyebrows. dad looks. I know. He's just all brows and mustache. I know. He looks like a Pixar dad. He is a Pixar dad. He is a Pixar dad. He's actually the dad from Mitchell's and the Machines. That's fantastic. I don't know that reference. You haven't seen Mitchell's <gasps> versus watched... Machines? No. Oh, it's very good. It's so good. It? It's on Netflix. Animated movie. You'll like it. Okay. I promise yeah. you'll like it. You'll you'll imprint on the main character. You'll be like, oh, it me. <laughs> And then it's a whole okay. movie about how dads have a hard time letting go of their oldest daughter as she becomes an adult. Oh, hell almighty. Yeah, I'm telling you. I, I live in it. I don't need to watch it. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. <laughs> you going to like it. It is interesting that the story is broken up into basically the A and the B plot with mm-hmm. Grandma Ben, Thorn, and Phone, and then Phony, Smiley, and Lucius mm-hmm. as the B plot. And then they, they like build, 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 come together, and then break apart again. And it's a really fun way to tell that mm-hmm. story. Again, yeah. very Lord of the Rings of them to have two stories going on at the same time. Very true, very true. Do we want to, there's a couple side characters we want to get to. Um, first, talk about the Red Dragon, who definitely plays a role in that A plot with Grandma and Thorn, and definitely going to be important going on. What do we think about the Red Dragon? He's not really a huge character in this. He appears and kind of like helps out a few times. He's like, he feels like the safety net. He feels like the Gandalf to me. If we're going to keep pulling those Lord of the Rings references. Yes. He's very mysterious. Mm -hmm. Just doing his own little thing. I I like that his design is in, it's more like the never ending story kind of dragon Mm -hmm. than like a Lord of the Rings dragon. Kind of looks like Pete's dragon. Yeah. Like... He's a dragon in a different sense than the classic mm-hmm. Western. But then I like how classic dragons also show up in like Thorne's dream. Mm-hmm. And it therefore different. makes him feel special again. Because, I'm sorry, there's there's a trend, I feel like recently, to like subvert what a dragon is going to be. Like mm-hmm. in Saga, they're like the giant salamanders, right? Mm-hmm. In this, they're, he's like a big dog creature thing. And, but sometimes, like Clifford. sometimes I just want to see a fucking dragon. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'm like, it's a perfect design. You don't have to subvert it. You don't have to modernize it. You don't. It's perfect. It's the perfect design. Put it into everything. Everything would be cooler with a dragon in it. Mm-hmm. And so I do mm-hmm. like that real dragons also show up. Yeah, I feel like his appearance makes him more approachable to Bone yeah. in the first place. Because mm-hmm. if he looked like an actual dragon, I don't think that Bone would have been like, you're my friend. Come, come save me from these monsters. It's very expressive. I love how he has like resting like, hmm, face like, yes, this is another day on this earth. Mm -hmm. Indeed, I'm, I'm alive. (laughs) Mm, Tax season starting soon. (laughs) I think, I think Gandalf is a really great pull for that. Like you can tell he has so much more than this story going on, but he also very clearly cares about this story and these people in the, Mm -hmm. in the story. And it's good. You can't have a fantasy story without a dragon. So True. we're set. We got that check checked off. Mm-hmm. 
moving on to the last big characters that I wanted to focus on. Um, let's talk about our favorite little rat creatures. Let's talk about Quiche Beast and Other Beast. Can we gonna... call him Keisha, please? Keisha and um, Keisha Jim. and Grump. It's Keisha and Grumpus. Come on, Keisha and Grumpus. Okay, I'm, I'm good with that. Keisha Krampus. and Grumpus. Keisha and Grumpus are the best. Rat beasts are perfect mm-hmm. because when they are like when they their head is small, they Alexis, you said it perfectly. They look like sock puppets, and they're mm-hmm. perfect for comedy. But then when they want to be scary all of a sudden they tap into that Peter Jackson version of Lord of the Rings where you're like, oh, this is scary. Oh, oh the orcs are kind of scary. Because they like, yeah, they've got like their big teeth. They've got horns. Their hair like stands up like a dog. And like you ever see a dog that gets scared or like defensive? Yep. They get all like fluffy and they have, they're, just, they're, they're, they're scary when they want to be and goofy when they will. So mm-hmm. don't try to be. Yeah, and in the colored versions, they have these, like, little buggy red eyes that can, Mm -hmm. when you want them to, be so eerie, especially when you can't see the mouth. And it's just, like, these little red eyes poking out at you from the the darkness. That's... It's it's everything I live for. As a horror fan, these these guys are so... What's the... They're so, like, um, flexible. They're so... They do malleable. malleable, something like they do humor really well, but they also do the the horror really well. And that's so cool that they have that range. And these two are so enjoyable every time they're on page. They add this human element to the to the villains. I love the um the trope of the the lovable um <laughs> goofy goons. The ones that just completely stumble their way through everything, and you kind of love them. I was watching Pirates of the Caribbean the other day, and I love those two. Um, the two yes, British the one with guys, the eyeball. Yeah, that one too. Them too. Pirates of the Caribbean has two of them. They have the British guys that keep messing everything up, and they also have the two pirates that are always chasing after the one guy's eye. <laughs> They're like, I'll t- "We'll tie ourselves upside down so that way when the boat flips, we'll be right side." <laughs> Yeah, the Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy is perfect. Hot, yeah, there's there's so my hot good. take for the day. So no, good. No, you're right. You're right. It reminded me how freaking hot Orlando Bloom is, and how lucky Katy Perry is to be his wife. Bro, thinking, same thing about Kara Knightley. Yo, like Kara Knightley's so hot, and Katy Perry be so lucky to be her wife. You want to be heartbroken? Kira Knightley's no. boobies are drawn on in that They're movie. They're fake. They, fake. They used makeup to draw them on. They are it's contour. Okay. I was like, my boobies. sexual awakening was contour. Like, <laughs> what are we? What the hell? Oh, you know, good for her, honestly. Want to know something even funnier? Yes. You know, the Pam and Tommy TV show that's on Hulu right now? Mm-hmm. Those are also fake. Because mm-hmm. hers apparently were not big enough. And the penis is fake in it, too. Yep, yeah. because They're his- still balls. Is everything I know a lie? Yes. <laughs> More unrealistic expectations. Prosthetic PP. Oh, great. Another unrealistic standard for men to live up to. It's never right. been harder to be a boy than right now because of this. <laughs> and they're taking Sebastian's away all your characters in the comic books. They just keep <laughs> taking away all of the straight white males. I've only got 917 left. I'm it feels so very good. Dudley from Harry Potter. Ninety-seven yeah, percent of comics. Last month we had ninety-eight percent. That's my favorite meme to throw around whenever it comes. I was watching um Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's the scene where they're at the um the con for this one guy's book. He's like, petition to make this dragon a boy again. Yeah, we already have enough characters, female characters. We don't need a third. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, that's exactly <laughs> what I have to deal with on Twitter every day. Mm-hmm. It's true. 
Dallas. Dallas what do you have? A knife. A knife. I pulled out my oh, fan, no. my fantasy blade. Oh, we are slowly getting derailed. And before Dallas hurts anyone, do you want to move on to the questions? Is there anything else you want to cover um, plot-wise before we get on to this next bit? Or do you think no, we're I good? Feel like we, I feel like we did a good little blurb. And then we're just yeah. going to keep going and going and going. And it'll be so fun. <laughs> it's perfect. I'm very... I'm so excited this is our long series we're reading Mm -hmm. next. I'm excited also for Anne to pick the next big long story because I picked Saga that took three months. Alexis has picked Bone that takes three months. Anne, you've got to pick a big old chonker that'll take us three months. I can find a chonker. Just give me me some time. Yeah. It would be wonderful. (laughs) Yeah, let's do questions. Yeah. Should I read the first one off? Absolutely. Go for it. All right. First question from Jacob Schmidt. Hello there. Here are a few questions I have for you about your experience in the wonderful world of Bone. One, so far, who is your favorite character? Who is your favorite character? Mm-hmm. Two, what stood out to you the most about the books? Three, anything you're not liking so far? No. Four, is it wrong I want to smush a rat creature's face? Five, any recommendations for similar comics to Bone? And a question unrelated to Bone, who would win in a fight between an octopus with a toaster and an otter with a coffee maker? So let's... Can you answer that one first? Yeah, let's answer that first. Who would yeah. win in a fight? I think the octopus would be dead. Have you ever had a bathtub? Mm. Have you ever had a toaster at a bathtub? If they never um, said nobody it's plugged in. They never said it's plugged in. But I'm going to root for the octopus on this one because octopus is already big brain. Because um, if you watch My Octopus Teacher, you understand that an octopus is big, big brain. So you give it a tool of any kind and it's taking over the world. Honestly, it's going to disassemble that toaster and use it to create a mecha octopus that's going to take out the world. <laughs> so my, my vote's for the, the octopus, follow to up. be honest. Follow up. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen Over the Hedge? Yes. Have you ever seen Hammy when he has an energy drink? Yes. I feel like it'd be a similar effect for an otter with a coffee Ooh. maker. Okay. Mm-hmm. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. Counterpoint. Otters are cuter. They have thumbs. They hold <laughs> hands when they're asleep. They do. The cephalopod brigade will not prevail over the mammalian league. Oh, wow. This just Also, got... <laughs> don't otters eat things like that they eat oysters yeah they, so they would probably eat an octopus a big oyster. if they could catch it and love they eat love too they eat love and they like to collect rocks they're very cute yeah they I give love... gifts oh, this is all octopus that's flavor. how they court did you know that that's how they court each other they bring each other shiny rocks honestly humans do the same thing mm-hmm. um can't believe but... you're discounting the octopus just because it isn't cute but also, my octopus Did teacher was perfect. So mm-hmm. I ship that. that. I ship that honestly more than I ship foam bone and thorn. Octopus. <laughs> oh, my oh. Gosh. honestly. Let's, okay. Hmm? And ships bestiality, folks. Take do with that what you will. That octopus was smart. Okay, that might pass the test. <laughs> gosh. Going back, um, question five. Any recommendations for similar comics to Bone? Mm, my Garfield. vote is... That's a good poll. That's a, I, I got big Calvin and Hobbes. 
Oh mm-hmm. yeah, definitely Calvin Hobbes. We have to read that. That's on the. That's on my list. It's on the June. It's in June. We're reading Essential mm-hmm, Calvin yeah. Hobbes for Woo-hoo, Lexi for Pride Month. Woo, let's go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We had to hurry and block out the gays from June, so I filled it full of Calvin and Hobbes and other related. Forget things. the Lebanese. <laughs> we made February for the Lebanese. <laughs> The Ladala Beans. <laughs> the Ladala Beans. I still can Oh, I still, every single time I hear Lebanese in like actual words, I just think of lesbians. I'm so sorry to the Lebanese people. But I go back to the, I thought you were American Vine. I thought you were American. <laughs> I thought you were American. Um, my vote is for Coda by Cy Spurrier and I think Aaron Campbell, question mark. Is the artist on that? Um, imagine fantasy world, but post-apocalyptic like Mad Max. But instead of running out of gas, they ran out of magic. And it's really fun. And there's a big old orc wife who is cool. We should read Coda on the show. Coda is excellent. Yeah. Ooh, I'm going to, from my poll, I'm going to say The Adventures of Tintin. Mm. Oh, that's a good one. Because that feels like it's in the same vein. Hmm. Getting very French, are we? Oh, okay. We have to give them something. They're our friends. We wee pee pee. I'm going to throw out Usagi Yojimbo also. Seems like it matches. Okay. Samurai Bunny. Really excellent black and white comic. Singular creator. Tells a big expansive story. Love it. There are fantasy elements that show up. Usagi rules. Maybe I'll make that my big long read. Oh my gosh, if we read Usagi Ojimbo, that is a long read. That's that's a good one. Oh. Okay, like, okay. Y'all do three months, I'm going to do a year. Right. A year-long read of Usagi Ojimbo. We'd be reading a lot of bunny. I would not be upset. We'd be reading but, a lot of bunny. Question four. Is it wrong I want to smush a rat creature's face? I, spoiler alert, even for Anne, like in the next chunk, we get to meet a baby rat creature? What? Yes, what? you can smoosh the baby rat creatures. They're very cute. Dallas has his knife again. <laughs> <laughs> no, put put the knife put it away. away. Put it away. Stop. A knife. All right. What's question number three? Anything you're not liking so far? No, it's perfect. No, it's perfect. No. I don't like that. I don't know what the black and white version looks like. That's my only. That's my only Beautiful. um thing. I don't like. I have to wait till next month to read more. Bingo. Um, number two, what stood out to you the most about the books? I think the balance of tone and mm-hmm. how perfect it is. Bone feels like a salad instead of like a recipe where every single tone, you can still taste it. It still pops out. It still has its own identity, but they all blend together perfectly to make something mm-hmm. that's enjoyable. And look. I, I'm looking... Oh my god, it's so fucking cute. Look at the little man. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. It has ears. The baby ones have ears. Oh my god. Look at his little feet. Oh my god. That's your feet. That's my answer. That's what stands out the most to me. That's so fucking cute. Oh my god. Um I can't. It's in chapter five. That is in the next chapter five. Oh yes. Next month is gonna be a treat. I'm so excited. I think the thing that honestly stood out most to me is just the Lord of the Rings aspects. I didn't expect it. 
I when when y'all pitched it to me, you pitched the um the Mickey Donald Goofy thing. I'm like, okay, sounds cute. I kind of know what to expect from that. And that was not it. When it starts getting to like those more serious moments, I'm like, okay, yes, bingo, please. I think what stood out to me the most is how little I actually remember of this book. Like I thought I had a full grasp on what it was, but I will tell you I probably had like seven percent of what this story actually is. So I'm I'm really ex- I feel like I'm reading it for the first time. Like there's bits and pieces that I'm like, oh I remember that. And then others I'm like, no, nope, nope, never saw you. <laughs> you were probably an issue I missed. <laughs> I like that. Uh, and finally, who are our favorite characters? Phony bone, Ted. baby. Oh, Ted's good. That's a good poll. <laughs> Ted is good. I love when Ted shows up, especially because I didn't know. I it took me a second to realize like that he was a bug. Mm-hmm. Like I, when he very first started talking, I was like, "Who is he talking to? What in the world?" And then I was like, "Oh, that is a bug on his little hand. Look at him. Ted, so cute." Ted's cousin. The huge. Oh bug. my Ted's god. That's good. Good. Or how Ted knew everything mm-hmm. oh, about so Thorn. You, yeah. Oh, oh so, so you know? You. Oh. Can we talk about it now? Oh. oh, we know that Thorn's a lost princess? Okay, cool, cool, cool. What? Alright, you, Anne. Who's your favorite? My favorite so far is Thorn. I like Thorn a lot. I think she's going to go through a really great journey in the story. I'm excited, too. It- That's a good segue into our question for next. Ooh. Would you That's like to read it? Gonna say. Yes. So, when Lisa first read Bone, she was put off by Thorne's illustration. She felt she was drawn in too sexy a fashion for the comic's content. How do you all feel about this? Phone Bone is clearly a little horny for her. Signed, Brad from the comics... The Comic Book Couples Counseling. Yeah, Brad from the Comics Collective. (laughs) Brad from our show. We've adopted adopted Brad and Lisa. We adopted both of them. They're They're just part part of it now. They're part of the family. Come on, honorary members. (laughs) Oh, forget about it. Forget about it. Come on, I'm walking what do you, here. What do you think, Anne? What do you think? I don't know. See, normally I'm like, the whenever a character's drawn too sexy or too over-sexualized, I'm like right there. I didn't feel it a lot in the story. I'm going to read forward with that perspective and try to figure out if it is clicking to me like that. But it didn't stand out to me beyond the first scene. Because we talked about it a little bit before the show. Um... Dallas was talking about how the first scene is kind of like um you can hear the um <laughs> yeah exactly you can hear the saxophone in the back but um, I've been really trying baby <laughs> and I think after that it gets better but I think it's hard for to shake that first impression you can't make a second first impression you know see and I have a follow up though like because I went back and looked because I remember that as well like seeing her in her first appearance being like oh okay interesting. Um, but I look back and I'm like, well, really the only like insinuation that we get is like, she took off her little like sweatpants that she was wearing so she could put her feet in the water. Like, are we like, I don't know. It's a little Spe- interesting. Speaking from the male gaze, when she's like hiking up that little whatever she's got going on, I definitely was like, I'm going to peek out of the bushes. You like, <laughs> okay, okay. like I'm going to throw it out there. I do think that scene was a little sexy. I think I agree with Lisa with that scene that I was like, this feels weirdly sexy, but everything after that, I feel like is pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Say so for the content though, it maybe it would feel a little uncomfortable, but it's not going to put me off from like giving it to like a, a child, you know, I don't think like it's going to, yeah, they're not going to get it. 
So that's about where I stand on it. I think, I know Brad wants Lisa to read the rest of this with him because he loves it. Lisa, I think you'd like the rest of this. Fun fact. It's very sweet. It's very good. Very good. It's like, a, it's like a little kitten. I just love it. There is a baby rat monster. Yes. And I'm going to name him Tim. Keisha, Grumpus, and Keisha. Tim. <laughs> that... That is That's the still, idealized... I, was, I, peaked, I peaked right there. Keisha is the best thing I will ever say on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh. I agree. <laughs> All right. Glenn Machette writes and says, Dear Boners... Nice. If you could live in any cartoon world, which would it be? Oh, the Polly Pocket world. Oh, okay. Good pull. Good pull. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever seen the Polly Pocket movie, you would know why. Need to watch the Polly Pocket movie. homework. Alexis, Alexis just wants to live there so she can eat Polly Pocket clothes. Those oh, were a delicacy. They were you know a what? delicacy where I came from. I'm getting homework from all the tailors. I gotta read Luke's chapter threes and. Chapters three oh, and four by church. tomorrow. Yeah, I'm church. doing. Dallas is giving me church. You're giving me Polly Pocket. And if you can find any clothes from the early 2000s. Those are a delicacy as well. <laughs> I, I'll admit, I I tried oh. one of Alexis's snacks and I chonked down one of those. And they've got the perfect <laughs> teeth texture. Squishy. You bite into it and it like gives perfectly, and you're like, ah, now this is fine dining. This is the when height you, of luxury. It's one of their little shirt. Oh, when you said teeth texture, I imagine like you're biting into teeth. Wait, hold on. No, thank you. Polly Pocket clothes are um, a delicacy. I, I'm i going to count it as a cartoon. I would say the Pokemon world. I want to go be a Pokemon trainer. Oh, that's good. That's, that's a, good that's a cartoon. There's yeah. a show. It counts. Um, I think that I want to live in the world of He-Man. Yep, saw that coming. I would like to wear a BDSM leather t-shirt and a loincloth <laughs> and have a giant sword and a green saber-toothed tiger that I ride around. And I said saber-toothed tiger because that's what he is. He has stripes. He is not a Smilodon. He is not a saber-toothed cat. He's, I, a, he's a tiger. He got I'm glad long you tail. included that for like me specifically because yeah. I would have said something. Yeah, I know you would have. I had to defend myself. <laughs> And Skeletor is the campiest mofo in the world. True. I, Where was his invite to the Met Gala? I don't want to be good. I want to be evil. <laughs> Honestly, he walked so that Sauron from the X-Men could run. Yeah, I want to live in He-Man. Specifically the <laughs> 1980s He-Man. Yeah, yeah. No, the one I, that our dad loves. Yeah, the, specific, the 1980s one where he's got the funny bowl cut. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. where I'm trying to be all up inside. He-Man. He-Man. Okay. Yep. Yep, there it is. Found it. And Glenn's next question is, he has never read Bone. For shame, Glenn. But he recently read Jeff Smith's Razzle. Has any of the collective read it? No. That would be a no. (gasps) Googling it right now. I do think think I'm going to read Jeff Smith's Shazam comic, though. That he he did a comic um... for Shazam. Was it the Isle Shazam? Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read Monster that. Monster Society of Evil. Yes. All right. And final question from at Jeremy underscore Barry underscore me from Twitter. He said, hey, Comics Collective, just came across your podcast recapping a volume of Saga. Very entertaining. Thanks, Jeremy. Uh, had a question. 
what would everyone's freelancer title be? Uh, I think I'm the Pingus. <laughs> you are. You definitely are. Um, this is this is kind of, I've thought about this one before because this is like kind of like if you were a Time Lord, what would your Time Lord title be? Like the Doctor, the Master. There's the more daddy. than one. There's Dallas. Listen, this is such an intricate world that has been around for 50 years with such an interesting lore. You're going to dig this. You're going to dig I know Doctor is I Who. I do have a sidekick already. I have Sweet Girl. Oh, That's what yeah. I've started to call her. She responds to it now. I call my uh, cat Chongo. So we're <laughs> the Pingus and Chongo, the obese cat. <laughs> I would read that. I would read that book. I call my my cat Janie Lady. So Janie. um let's go. This is so hard. I'm I gotta I'm a lesbian, so let's the swordswoman. I don't know. This the swordsmaster. <gasps> space blonde. Space Jane. the space blonde. There we go. That's a good one. Yes. Yes. I don't know what mine would be. The little sister. The child. <laughs> a child. <laughs> yeah, there we go. The child. All lowercase. Or Junie B. That's her name. Junie B. The child and Junie B. Yeah, what would be your sidekick, Anne? So I've got Chongus, the obese cat. She's got Junie B, the little dog. I got Janie Lady. Janie Lady. You're not taking the, the, you're not taking the ferret? <gasps> The ferrets at my parents right now. I'm taking what's closest. <laughs> I feel ferret like, has been excommunicated. Honestly, you couldn't tell me if I shaved a ferret. It's just a skink. Like that that lizard, the skink. <laughs> they're the same species. It's simple. <laughs> it's science. If you shave a ferret, you just go. Oh, there's a skink under here. What the hell? <laughs> the skink with a coat. <laughs> and exactly, it's just a skink that found a coat. And every other That's single skink is like, I just can't believe they got me naked is in that here. A mink? <laughs> Would that be a mink? A skink with a coat? A mink? <laughs> no, you know, a mink is a uh, ferret with a coat. So it's a coat on a coat. Oh, extra fluffy mink. <laughs> you keep adding extra coats, it eventually ferret. gets to becomes honey badger a, and then wolverine. <laughs> it becomes a dog. By the end. <laughs> every no, animal at its core is a skink. <laughs> That's the base model. I'm throwing all my Darwin out. That's the only the only model I follow from now on. As a get new coat. They're like hermit crabs. They grow out of their coat and get a new one. Does that mean inside me is just a tiny skink? Inside <laughs> each of us is a tiny skink. Yep. That's, what that's, the, where evolution that's what the lizard brain that people talk about is. It's the skink inside of you. Every naughty thing apes. I've ever done comes from the skink inside of me. <laughs> Fun fact, when you die, the skink inside you crawls out your mouth like a butterfly from Peacemaker. <laughs> Still haven't watched that. Still need <gasps> to watch Peacemaker. I know. It's very good. I work every day for the next two weeks, you monsters. Okay. Ooh, that's Dis. tough. Dis, All right. Should we wrap this mother effer up? Absolutely. Wow. Let me scramble. One second. I am not scrambling. Scramble. I already have it. <laughs> Has Alexa right. scrambled or is she frozen? I, no, I have it. If you like the Let's show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please Alexis go follow again. our Twitter okay. accounts oh, no. at CMX of, Collective, uh, or you can find each of us at our personal accounts with at Dallas underscore say, comics, bye, at Ann Comics, child. and at Lexi Lou <laughs> underscore comics. 
it's her, it's her book and she just gets kicked out at the last second. She said all the important parts. <sighs> all right. If you liked the show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow our Twitter account at CMX Collective, or you can find each of us at Dallas underscore comics, at and comics, and at Lexi Lou underscore comics. If you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five-star review and we'll read it off on the show. If you enjoyed the show and want to be part of it, feel free to email us with your questions or comments for the show at thecomicscollective at gmail.com. We will see you next week for our episode on... And what book are we reading for you? We are reading Sunstone next week. Sunstone. Listen, I just read the phrase corset held up by nipple piercings. <laughs> and the best part was that they said it sounded like a cool idea until she sneezed. And then I put the book <laughs> then I put the book down and I said, time to read some Spider-Man. Thank so, you for pitching that in the absolute worst way possible. <laughs> so, oh, oh my gosh, I'm I'm gonna have a lot to say next week. It's that, gonna be great. That's for sure. So come back to listen to us talk about your favorite BDSM love story. The you, only one. <laughs> you're the best. And roll outro music. Mm-hmm.